How many realize today that are only 21 more days until Christmas morning, right? How many just had a heart attack right now? Let's be honest, right? I know that we're thinking, wow, we've still got plenty of time, and yet that number is ticking. You know, when I think about Christmas morning, um, and maybe, you know, we go back to some of those mornings, that, that for a lot of us, it was kind of a, a great experience, a lot of anticipation. Uh, as a kid, there's really nothing like uh, getting a chance uh, to rip into all of those presents and, and waiting with anticipation about just looking and seeing what's going to be inside. I know that there are probably a, a variety of you that couldn't sleep all Christmas Eve or, you know, just in this idea of overwhelming excitement about what was going to take place in the morning. I know that uh, in my family growing up, that not only was it kind of the anticipation uh, of, of the gifts and all those kind of things, but just kind of the, the traditions that we would have um, on Christmas morning, some that we have continued and passed down even into our family uh, as well, and, and what it was for Debbie and I and our family that started, I know in my family, is that we read the Christmas story every morning before we, we opened gifts. Now, my dad was the pastor. I grew up in a pastor's home, and you know it was kind of really Christmas tradition Laden. My dad would read, you know, out of the King James with all the King James words, right? And we're in our PJs and we're looking at that tree and my dad's reading the story and you know what we're thinking inside, right? Come on, dad. Like, like can you read this story any faster? I think he was trying to get another Christmas message in or something to our family on the morning or whatever. And we're like, dad, would you get finished with that? And then when my dad finished with the Christmas message, my mom would offer a Christmas prayer, Listen, one of the gifts that God gave my mom was the ministry of prayer. And I would say for 99% of my life, I am so overwhelmed, grateful, and thankful for the wonderful gift of prayer in my mom's life, except on Christmas morning. My mom would be praying for missionaries, we'd be praying for lost people, and, and you know, inside of just like all it was about was that in, in, the anticipation of getting into those gifts. You know, I think that as we see in talking about a lot of those gifts around the tree in the morning, I don't know if you've maybe ever played a trick on your kids with the gifts on Christmas, or maybe you had one played on you at all. Maybe there was a special gift that you knew that they were anticipating or wondering, and, and you held it off maybe to be the very last gift for them to, to do that. Uh, or maybe you hid it. I, I know that one time I was probably maybe eight, nine, ten years old, whatever. We, I grew up in the country, and so kind of hunting and outdoor stuff was a big deal, and maybe for a boy anyway, that I had asked for a BB gun that year. In fact, you know, I'm sure that I asked for a lot of stuff, right? Um, but if there was anything that was at the top of the list that year was, was a BB gun, that's all I wanted. And, and we'd gone through Christmas, I had opened up all of my gifts and no BB gun, and I was like, you know, I, I don't know, I, I, I want to say that I was really good with it, but let's be honest, when you're nine years old, right? I mean, I got all of these gifts, and yet I was probably pouting, I was probably mad, I was probably upset because I didn't get a BB gun, and my parents were just playing this thing out to the max, right? And so, like, we're, you know, Christmas is over, my dad's like, all right, it's time to clean up, you know, we need to get the, get to go get a sweeper, you know, go get a, a broom or whatever, and he like, go into the closet, 
gym and go get the broom and, the, you know, and I'm stomping my way to them. I can't believe that. And I open up the closet door and there is this massive BB gun sitting in the closet door. You know, I'm just like, whoa, you know, and going from the dumps back to the mountaintop again. Right, there are these moments that we get a chance somewhat to play with the emotion. And I think that of all of the stories that I love, some books that I read or maybe movie plots, those that have misdirection as, as kind of the central part of the plot, man, I love stories like that. I know it's been a lot of years ago, but I think the first one that really got me, how many remember that movie, The Sixth Sense? Right? I mean, one of those movies you watch like the whole thing. And then there's this incredible plot change, this misdirection in the story. And when you finally, finally reveal, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I missed that thing that whole time, right? Then you realize that, that he was dead the whole time. I know some of you are like, Pastor, you just blew the plot. Listen, it's 20 years old. If you haven't seen it by now, that's on you, that's not on me, all right? But I remember, man, for days, right, I'm telling people, you got to watch this movie. Like, it's going to blow your mind. Like, what happens? You're, it's just, it's going to get you. Things that we never saw coming. I think we could say the same thing as we jump into the Christmas story again this year. I mean, a big shot angel. Not, not just kind of one of the run of the mill, but, but one of the big shot angels shows up to this little girl with a truly profound proclamation that the world was about to experience a change that it would never see coming, that it could never anticipate. Even though words were promised, the heart of unbelief was ruling the world, and now to this girl in a nowhere town was going to have the ability to usher in the greatest promise that humanity would ever be able to receive. Could you imagine trying to make sense of that journey of this little couple for literally hundreds of miles to that little town of Bethlehem and what was about to take place, the birth that was about to happen, and when they rolled into town to still believe that there was no place for them to be? How was it that these angels did not get on their Bonvoy account and make some Marriott reservation at the four-star, five-star for this family, and yet it was a story of unbelief that we would have never seen coming. And then to hear about magi. I mean, these wise men, these people representing a kingdom that was so far away, that were coming with literally hundreds and possibly thousands of dollars worth of special spices and gold that they would give to this child king. I mean, talk about misdirection in reading the Christmas story to a people that, that had heard that something big was about to happen and to realize that they could have never imagined Imagine that it would happen this way. Luke chapter 2 helps us this way. It says, It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. It was first done by Cyrenius, who was governor of Syria, and that all went to be taxed, everyone to their own hometown. So Joseph went up from Galilee out to the city of Nazareth to Judea, Unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David. And there to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, we'll talk about that in just a minute, she was being great 
with child. And here's our line for our series these couple of weeks. And so it was that while they were there, the days should be accomplished that she should be delivered. What a special delivery. Can you say amen, church? For those of us that are aware of the Christmas story and all of the nuances and all of the details of what I have just read to you, that journey from far up north in Nazareth all the way down south to Bethlehem, while Mary was great with child, that it was in this moment that a very special delivery was about to take place. This would be the first time that God would be revealed to humanity in a physical form. The only time somewhat like this would have been back in the Old Testament when God was revealing himself to Moses as he was revealing his plan for Israel. And the Bible says that Moses was held in the cliff of the rock and God's hand overshadowed him so that of any glimpse that Moses was able to catch just the, the back passing parts of God as he was moving by. And the Bible said that Moses is, uh, had this glow uh, that it shone in this bright way for literally weeks and months on and after just catching a, a glimpse of the presence of God. And here now for the very first time, would we not only see God in a human form, but we would hold him and carry him and, and teach him and walk with him and watch this growth take place in his life. What would it mean now to finally look into the face of God, that God being revealed as a fragile little baby at this point in need of veiled first to simple barnyard animals. God's elaborate plan was far different in scope, I think, than how we could have ever seen the story or believed for it to be revealed, but not so in purpose. I want you to hear that with me this morning. I'm not sure that we would have been able to write or fully understand the whole story about how it came to be, but one thing that God was very direct and God was very clear about is that why God was coming to earth. To think about the Almighty needing to be fed and then burped and a diaper change. This God who made the universe would one day need help from a father figure about how to lace up sandals. This one who was delivered one day would be the deliverer of the world. It's hard for us to see if we were writing the story or to understand this misdirection about how we were seeing the story being revealed. You see, the plot line or the purpose of the Christmas story is simply this, is that Jesus came to us so that we could be saved from our sins. You see, the scope might be different about how you and I would have written the text, but the, the purpose of why he came is to realize that we were lost, to realize that we were damaged, to understand that we were a people that needed rescued. And so in this great need of being rescued, God sent us not just a deliverer, but a special delivery that made available this hope of Christmas and the joy that could be to all men through the person of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen with me today. What a special delivery. I don't know if there has been some moment I would imagine for everyone at some point in our life where we needed rescued. 
I was talking about the theme a little bit with some of the staff this week about where we were going to go, and Bailey re, uh, recounted a story a couple of years ago. He was living in an apartment just down the street, and it was wintertime, and it was late at night. I can't remember specifically, but he had to go outside for something, and he was only in shorts and slippers. And as he was making his way, I, I, whether to go to his car or something that was outside, he heard the door to his apartment close shut. And he reached for the door handle to realize that it was locked with his phone upstairs in the apartment. Found freezing temperatures in shorts and slippers, thinking, what am I going to do? At that point, the only thing that he needed to do was either to walk, to run, somehow to get, we have another staff member that lived maybe about a half a mile away, I just need to get to a house. And so in the middle of the night, he's running down the streets of, uh, of Mill Creek trying to get, and he showed up at one of our other staff members beating on the door, right, like standing there when he opened up like frozen, red, freezing I got locked out of my apartment. I didn't know what to do. I needed rescued, right? I mean, what a story. I'm glad that he found another staff member's house and he didn't show up at my house that night, right? And then just this week, jo uh, Jacqueline was getting ready to come to work and she got in her car and she saw that little gas light that comes on when it says, hey, you should probably stop for gas, and like probably 99% of us were like, yeah, yeah, I've got plenty of miles. I definitely can make it to work. Only to get about a half a mile away from the house and to feel the car start to buck and have to pull off to the side of the road, she ran out of gas. And so she had to call us at the church. In fact, I think she got through to Jocelyn and she said, I need rescued. I ran out of gas. And my daughter's like, great. I don't know how to do that, but I'll do whatever I can. Like, show me what to do. So I'm sure just the, the, the escapade of those two, right? Getting a gas can, going to the gas station. I wish I would have been there for that one too. You know, I think this idea, there's probably been some moments in our life, maybe some that were not as bad as that, maybe some that were a whole lot worse than that, this idea about being rescued. I mean, thinking about Christmas, some of you, you don't have to shout amen, but some of you are going to need rescued from your in-laws in a couple of weeks, right? Don't say anything. Where's Christy Heath? Make sure she doesn't say anything, all right? Maybe the endless shopping, and, and there's just one, you know, classically in my house, as we kind of get closer to Christmas and the busyness piles up, Debbie's always like, I need to go shopping. I need to get just one more thing. Guys, how many wives are like that today, right? Just this constant, just this idea of one more thing of all those kind. Uh, the idea, listen, I, I know that Bailey mentioned it earlier, and, and we've been pretty lucky, but we're going to need rescued from some snow this year too, right? I mean, we just know that some of those moments last year, although we didn't get a ton of it like we would normally do, I, I remember one bad one that we got, and then it was like a real heavy, icy, whatever, and Jim Rice is back there on our tech team today. He had to call Bailey and I. They plowed him in. I mean, there was probably a six-foot wall of snow all over his car, and he reached out, Pastor, can you and Bailey come and rescue me? I need to get to work, but it's, it's, there's no way I can get out. You know, there are moments that we recognize in our everyday life that we can kind of manage, that we realize they're going to blow into our life for a moment, but, but we're going to be able to get through. 
But I also realize that whether this time of year or any time of year, there might be those moments of rescue that that we find much deeper, that stay much longer in our life. There may be some here today or those online that realize my marriage is in need of rescue. Pastor, I've, I've tried to do what, what I know what to do. I, 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 we've moved through that. It seems like it's one of those here we are moments and these situations again. And I, I feel lost. I feel empty. I feel frozen in my marriage or in my relationship. There are those that might be facing a life of singleness that, that is just not ending, that there's this idea of, of, of hope and dreams that, that I want to have and direction that I want to have for my life, but I feel like I've been in this like forever season of singleness that I'm, I'm waiting for God to just open up some doors in my life. There might be others that have the power of addiction that, that just won't break, and, and there have been moments that, that you've cried out, but you've recognized it seems like doors and walls uh, that, that just continue to envelop you in that cycle of addiction over and over again. It's no doubt that we understand and what this is to be the most joyous season of our world that we recognize there are many that suffer with grief and with loneliness and depression that, that seems to, that to give them the challenge to whether get out of bed or, or to go to work. And, and, and although at times we realize that, that are these momentary things for many, they seem to hang on and last for a long, long time. And so if that's you in any way this morning, or maybe somebody that you love or somebody that you care about, somebody that you know, I want you to hear these words with me this morning. You see, the great news of Christmas today is that you can be rescued, that you can be delivered, that for every one of us today that finds some moment of struggle in your life, that there has been a special delivery that has come with your name on it this morning. That name is Jesus today. What a wonderful name. What a powerful name there is in the name of Jesus today. That one who was delivered uh, is now the great and mighty deliverer. You see, Christmas is the beginning of God's rescue plan for humanity. The book of Ephesians tells it this way in chapter 1. It is in Him, in Christ, in Him alone, to which we have redemption. We have the ability of being rescued. It's through him that no matter what we face, no matter how bad the bad is, is that we have the work of redemption made available to us through his blood, through the forgiveness of sin. Come on, somebody say amen today. To know today that his power is in accordance. Read these words with me today, church. They are in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished. Stop right there on that word, and I want you to see the two little letters at the end. How many see the ED in that, right? That not only is he waiting for our suffering or our challenge or our need, but God, before we even had need, 
indeed knew that there was going to be a deliverer, a deliverance made available for us. And so when we read this, I want you to make sure that you realize that it was God's grace that he has already lavished on you. The work has already been done. The ability for you to be rescued, to be delivered, to have life to the full. Listen, church, it's done. It's complete. It's victory through the name and the power of Jesus today. Listen, the delivery has already been made. You see, the amazing thing that comes to us is that this rescue plan wasn't thought up on the spot. You see, God didn't see that there was this growing need uh, for deliverance to humanity and thought, man, maybe I should start working up a plan, or maybe I should start figuring some stuff out because maybe at some point this is going to get really bad and, and maybe I should have something ready. No, God didn't work on that. God knew from the moment that this thing was going to go sideways that God was going to make a way of deliverance for his people. And ultimately, it was going to come by the sending of his son, Jesus, to the world that would point us to the picture of God being wholly involved in our redemption. You see, I think that when we get caught up in this idea that for centuries before, more than 300 prophetic words were given so that we could know, hear me today, church, that what God promises, God fulfills. Believe that today. You see, I think that if we were going to think about deliverance, if we were going to think about a prediction, I think that most of us, right, we would want to keep it pretty generic, right? I mean, if we were going to look into the years into the future or the scope of something so big, so massive, so amazing, it would be hard in our humanity to want to pinpoint it down or put ourselves out to the point where, listen, I mean, there is absolutely no wiggle room. I mean, if we were going to put a forecast out there, we try to keep things pretty generic, right, so that we could kind of have a little shift move either side depending on how that situation is going to move, but not with God. God was with his pinpoint accuracy helping us to always know that what God promises, God fulfills. So there are more than 300 specific words that help us to recognize that God was already on the move, already in work to bring you and I the rescue that we needed. We could go all the way back to Genesis. In fact, right after the fall, God realized, listen, this is not going to go well for them, and they are going to need a deliverer. And God, when he spoke to the enemy of our soul, said, I am going to put enmity between you and the woman, the woman that we read about now in Luke chapter 2, this woman who would deliver the child of God. I am going to put enmity with you, with her offspring, that you might bite his heel. But let me tell you, enemy, he is going to crush your head. You see, from the very beginning, God was going to realize that there would be an overwhelming sense of victory through this special delivery of the birth of the Savior of the world for you and I. It tells us that he would have been born to the house 
of David. We read almost with with some repetitiveness now of Isaiah chapter 7. How shocking, like a thousand years before when Isaiah declares that he shall be born of a virgin. I mean, think about that today. I mean, it still baffles our mind today, but we get it because we have all the tools and letters of understanding. But here is Isaiah declaring to the people that were in need of great deliverance, that this promise way back in Genesis, that this one who would be the deliverer, who would crush the head of the serpent, he was going to be born of the virgin through the power of the Holy Spirit. God's plan is perfect, and God's plan is complete. So listen today, if you are in need of rescue today, I want you to know you're not an afterthought of God. Somebody say amen today. But God has you in the bullseye this morning. God has your need. God has your heart. God has your brokenness. God has your depression. Your sorrow is in the target line of why he sent his son to be a deliverer. The prophet Micah said that he would not just be born in some city, but that he would be born in Bethlehem. The family would need help in their escape from Egypt, from a crazy king in this world, and that God would provide not only through the Magi, but a place for them to know that his son would be cared for and protected. Listen, I think that the challenge for all of us as we face another Christmas, and for those of us that are familiar with the Christmas story, the personal challenge in realizing everything that God has done for us still comes down to the question, do I feel the need to be rescued? And really, I think what we're saying, and you might hear my words today, but, but for a lot of people, it's just simply, hey, thanks, Pastor, but I got this. I got this on my own. Or maybe we're saying, listen, what is it that Jesus have? What's so important about the story that, that what it is that he has to give that's any different than, than I can do for myself? What can Jesus do that I can't do on my own? And maybe we're not even as bold to declare that kind of statement, but there are a lot of us, let's just be honest, that could live that way. That we might know the story, but we don't truly realize our need of deliverance. But see, the purpose why Jesus came was not just so that we could have a story, but so that we could have healing, so that we could have life to the full. You see, the answer, I think, hopefully for every one of us, maybe for those of us that believe that let this be assurance, for those of you that doubt, let this be an answer for you this morning. Matthew 1 tells it this way, For this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. So a lot of time in those days, uh, there were families that that got together and and prearranged marriages and and designed this time. And and so they were espoused to be married. They were promised to be married many times as, as younger children. Right? They, they didn't come together as a husband and wife yet. They were too young for that. But, but the promise of being a husband and wife might have been put on a young girl or boy when they were 12 or 13 or 14, but realizing that maybe the marriage wasn't going to take place until they were a little older than that. And so it was that this promise that Mary was going to be promised to Joseph But before they came together, so before the years, again, this is not 
crazy. This isn't that they were child husbands and wives. No, this was prior to that until the time that the community could recognize they were old enough. That there was value to their relationship. Before they came together, she found that she was to be pregnant. And here it is. Again, let's try to read it like as Matthew was saying it to the first generation, that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So here's this young, innocent girl that had been pledged to be married, realizing it's still going to be a couple of years before that marriage would have been consummated, before they would be recognized by all of the community that they are truly husband and wife. And in the midst of that moment, Mary realizes that something is growing inside of her. And what has been revealed to her is that it has been done, this miraculous work through the Holy Spirit. This is what we try to wrap our heads around when we think about this virgin birth. But Joseph, her husband, who was a good and faithful man, as he realized the scope of this story, recognized the scandal of which it would create among their families and the community. And he could have divorced her or simply broken off this engagement, this espousal time. Again, in the law, this could have been a big deal for him. He could have written about it on his social media page. Hello? He could have done a podcast about it. He could have been very upfront and, and recognized about the wrong that was done to him from this girl who was planned by their families to be his wife. But in his honor of this situation, he said that I'll go about to do this quietly. And as he was considering his next moves, the Bible says that an angel appeared unto him. I mean, just think about the wealth of this story, right? I mean, how many crazy things have we just considered right now? I mean, if you had never seen or heard this story before, angels showing up, virgin births, and the Lord appeared to him through a dream, and he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. I want you to hear these words. We're going to unpack it just a little bit more. She will give birth to a son and you, everybody say that with me, you. The dream, the angel, he's talking to Joseph. He said, and you, you are to give him the name, what? Jesus, because he will rescue people from their sins. I mean, how do we need to unpack that a little bit more? And what was the emphasis about Matthew's writing for us to realize that the angel would say to Joseph that you are to give him the name Jesus and let me tell you what it means. Could you imagine at least in some bit along the way that Joseph would have been dealing with doubt, with unbelief, with betrayal, with scorn, with this idea of, of the story that might be told, maybe some shame mixed in. How many can see that prior to this moment? I mean, his world being turned upside down. Listen, the Bible says that he was a, a good, godly man that followed the law. I mean, sometimes don't we want to wrestle with God as to the idea as to why bad things happen to good people? 
Sure we do. You've all probably at some moment in your life kind of said, God, why? How could you do this? Do you not think, again, don't read past the story at this point. Let's just keep it in real time. Do you not think that Joseph was agonizing and struggling over the situation and circumstance that he was facing? God, I've really worked on my reputation. I've gone to church. I mean, you know, I'm one of the first ones there, one of the last ones to leave. Like, I want to honor you in everything that I do. It, It seemed like her family was good. My family was good. Like, how could this atrocity happen to me? And in the midst of all of that, God spoke to Joseph and said, I want you, in the midst of your unbelief, in the midst of your doubt, in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your depression, in the midst of your trying to, trying to encapsulate this, or, or you thinking, what do I have to do to get this thing to happen? I want you to name him. Hello? Hello? I want you to give him the name Jesus. And let me tell you what that name means. It means a rescuer. It means someone who is going to be in the midst of your confusion, in the midst of your doubt, in the midst of your pain and suffering. I'm going to give you the choice today. I'm going to give you the opportunity to know that there is a deliverer. And that you're going to have the opportunity in the midst of your pain to call out on the name of Jesus. So that you will forever know that he has come to rescue his people. But more than anything else, he's come to rescue you. You see, when we sing what a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus I want everyone who's here today, everyone who's watching me online today, everyone who is struggling with doubt, with unbelief, with depression, with anxiety, with circumstances that seem so far, we're always given a choice. And I want you to know that God superseded that and gave you the ability to now speak a name, to know a name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, name him today, my friends. You look at your depression and you take your fear, your pain, your problems, your loss. And when you want to hold on to that, you give it a new name today. God has given you the name Jesus that has come to be your rescuer. Amen? Listen, you are not going to carry it out of this place today. You are going to call on the name of Jesus today, your hope, your rescuer, your deliverer. Hallelujah. Come on. Yes, there is a name today. So all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Not in ambiguities, not in hopes, but in directedness that a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Because I am coming to be among my people. You see, is this misdirection again? Who would have ever written such a scandalous story of rescue? But the angel came to Joseph and brings it to humanity this morning. And gives him the opportunity to name his rescuer. 
You see, before we pray and close this morning, I want you to know that there is a name that I want to give to you today. You might know it in story form, but I would want you to know it in reality form today. That whatever we face, whatever struggles you might be experiencing today, today the voice of God is speaking into your soul that there is a name that is greater than your issue. There is a name that is greater than your suffering. There is a name that is greater than your depression. There is a name greater than cancer. Amen. There is a name greater than, than the marital struggles that you are facing and that just seem that you can't work it through. There is a name that is greater than that. The, the, the power that, that has disrupted relationship, I want you to know that there is a name that draws hearts and lives together again. It is the name of Jesus today. Listen, in the moment, no one saw this coming. Born of a virgin, born in a barnyard, born as part of this elaborate journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Who would have believed the story conceived by the Holy Spirit? And yet on every point, the story now with pinpoint accuracy has been able to provide for you that whatever we face, whatever is wrong, whatever is in need, whatever must be healed, there is but one way and one way only. Jesus, the King, the Lord, the Savior of the world who has come to deliver you. So let me ask you this morning, what again brings mercy to us today as to the significance of the virgin birth? You see, what is some theology behind the story? I want you to know that it is the power of our rescue today. It was Jesus who was able to escape the sinful nature through the work of the Holy Spirit. Why? Again, he was birthed through the power of the Holy Spirit was to keep him separated from the sin that, that, that plagues us as humanity so that he could be the pure rescuer for our need. So we understand Jesus being fully human yet fully sinless as well on the other side being fully God and fully divine. It was the work of those two components that could step into your need and yet have the power of heaven behind him to rescue and to deliver whatever we have been overcome by through the power of sin in this life. That is the power and the reason behind the virgin birth that realize that there is nothing that could separate us from the love and power of God. 1 John 3, 5 says, but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. Anybody say Amen. And in him there is what? No sin. He is divine. 2 Corinthians 5 says that it was God who made him who had no sin, allowed him to become sin on the cross for us so that through him we might gain the righteousness of God. What does that mean? It was the power of a God who had no sin that took our sin on his body and put it to death 
so that now our hope in him, our faith in him, our declaration of him coming into my life as a savior to my life, as the Lord of my life, now I have the right to be free, amen? I have the right to be healed, amen? I have the right to be delivered, amen? I have the right to be victorious today through the power, through the blood, through the redemption of Jesus Christ. Man, come on, this is better than Christmas morning, amen? Woo, we got weeks to go yet, church. Hebrews tells us, for we do not have a high priest who is not unable. Here's where I want just to kind of get you this morning. Adriel, maybe you can come and help me. You see, we don't have a God who is outside or unaware of what you are going through. You see, some of us have come to that moment of decision in our life, whether we've kind of said, listen, I've just got to pull up my own bootstraps or I've got to make this thing work. Maybe you've been hurt enough times to realize that you haven't been able to trust anyone in this life, and so why trust God? Listen, I get that. I know that there is power in pain. I know there are moments of struggle in times of uncertainty, in times of the answer not coming. Listen, it was thousands of years, these promises that there was going to be a Messiah, and yet still nothing seemingly was taking place. But we don't forsake God's patience as he has forgotten us. We take it as that he is working out all things for our good. And that's why Jesus came those 2,000 years ago. But hear me today, friends. That's why this process of your healing is still in God's work of trying to take it out of your hands and giving you faith to believe for you to place it into his hands. Please be aware that God hasn't forgotten you. God is reaching out to you today to tell you that he is with you. That our Emmanuel, that he has come. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. You see, what that simply means is, is that there is a God who knows you. I don't know what that does for you today, but that's pretty amazing. He knows your name. He knows everything about you. His love is unending for you. He feels your hurt and he feels your pain. See, if you remember what I shared with you just a couple of moments ago, that the challenge that we have of Christmas is to truly believe my need, my need of being rescued, my need of needing a deliverer. And maybe some of you are so close this morning that I trust today will be a moment for you to know that we have a high priest today who empathizes, who understands not only who you are, but where you are today. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we have, 
and yet with no sin, yet fully God to rescue us. You see, it was the virgin birth that initiated the power of the cross and that stone to roll away. Listen, in a couple of months, we'll probably fill this building on an Easter Sunday and we're going to come dressed up and ready to shout and to have victory that the cross is empty and the grave as well. But had it not been for the virgin birth, there would be nothing to celebrate in those weeks of April. That's how significant Christmas is. That's how amazing the virgin birth is to you and I, that this God who knew no sin took your sin and my sin and was wary to carry it so that you and I could not just have life, but that we could have life to the full. You see, how do I know it works? Because I know it worked in me. Amen? You might not believe this, but I wasn't always this wonderful, amazing guy that I am today. But here's the truth. Neither were you. You see, one day I realized I needed rescue. Yes? Isn't it amazing that we don't really have to teach people to be bad? We have a wonderful early learning center. 60, 70, 80 kids. They are these sweet little cherub face beauties that line our hallways. And the reason why Kara and Michelle in their young ages today are having gray hair. Do you think we are teaching them to do bad or to do wrong things? No. But they do it, don't they? Why? Because you do it and I do it. Why? Because of this human nature. But God foresaw, realizing the truth is that we can't save ourselves. This challenge for you and I, do I really need God? I'm, I'm here to tell you, yes, you do, because your way will never, never be enough. But God knew that. And God knew that a long time ago. In fact, I know it's not always comforting in the moment, but I know Debbie and I often say when we find ourselves in difficult situations that although this moment is a surprise to us, it's not a surprise to God. He knows our name. He knows that we are going to be faced with a choice. We could turn and walk away or we could run and we could cling to one who has come to be our rescuer. One who loved us before we even chose to love him back. You see, it was this birth, this virgin birth, that sets in motion the whole story of life change for you and I today. Yep, sin came through one man, Adam and Eve. But the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 that deliverance came by one man, amen? By Jesus Christ and him and him alone. Church, I want to set the stage for this Christmas season for you today. That this is an opportunity, whatever you find yourself, whatever hurt, pain, suffering, challenge today, I want you to know that there is a deliverer. This one who was delivered is today now our deliverer. 
He came in the most unlikely of fashion. The most misdirection story of history. And yet he came for you. He came to change your story. And maybe today as I pray, and maybe as you pray to God today, maybe there can be some new direction. Hello? That you'll start through this story of misdirection will give you the opportunity to make a brand new start. To get a new direction over your pain, your hurt, your anxiety, your depression, your marriage. To know that today collectively in this church that you are part of a family who is pursuing a God who loves us, who has the power not only to save us, power to give you and I a brand new life. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? So Father, I pray over this church family today, those who are here today and those who are watching. God, I pray that this delivery that you made available to every single one of us today, how special it is. That today that we have the opportunity to unwrap this wonderful gift. Church, I'm not going to hide this gift in the closet this morning as some rouse at the end of the service. I'm gonna just going to kind of put it right out there to you. I'm going to unwrap it and just lay it at your feet today. You see, the greatest need that we have today is our need of Jesus. The greatest need that you are facing in your life is in need of Jesus. The biggest need you have in your home today is to need Jesus. Let me just tear the packaging off. Let me throw the ribbon away and let me reveal to you the greatest gift that you could ever receive today, and that's Jesus, the Deliverer, your Savior, your Lord today. Would you pray maybe a prayer with me, some maybe for the very first time that would say, God, I hear what Pastor Jim's talking about. The cool thing is you can just say these in your own words. You don't have to repeat some made-up line from me, but you can just say into your heart, say, God, I got it today. I heard that I was a focus of all of the Christmas story, that I'm at the center. I'm the purpose of why he came. He gets me. He's way, way, way greater than me, but he gets me. He gets me in my pain. He gets me in my question. He gets me in my doubts. And he loves me still the same. So today I'm going to take this by faith, what Pastor Jim has talked about from your word. And today I'm just going to reaffirm, maybe for the first time, maybe for some of us, it's been a little while to know that I know that I know that I'm asking Jesus to come into my life, to give me some new direction order my steps. So Father, I pray for those who are hearing these words and maybe making that statement of faith this morning. I pray that heaven comes down. That heaven comes down into their soul this morning. I thank you that there is a name. Amen, church. That there is no rival. There is no equal. For he rules and he reigns forever. Yours is the kingdom and yours is the power today forever and forever.